I'm going to take us through uh, just how you can do a Bible study and do a very just hands-on. In fact, I'm just going to give an example. I'll sit here and, and go through a personal Bible study and uh, talk through some of the things that I find to be real helpful for me. Hopefully there will be some uh, tips from that that will make uh, your times even more valuable. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, had it not been for you, O oh Lord, and your willingness, your incredible love for us, willingness to endure the spite, the pain, the rejection of the cross, to bear the sin that was ours, you being absolutely perfect and holy, yet willing to take that on. We give you praise. We humble ourselves before you. We lift your name above every name. Truly, one day, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord. We confess that tonight, and we would love Jesus to learn more about you and uh, about how we can honor you with our lives. So please now, guide my words and help my brothers and sisters to hear and uh, discern truth and take in that that's really good. And may you be glorified. We love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we began uh, on May 3rd, a little trip through Philippians. And uh, what was the first thing that we learned together on May 3rd? What was it? Anybody know? You know. What are you? You're saints. That's right. We are saints. And this is really crucial for us to understand because we, uh, in our culture, uh, in this time, we tend to have um, influence from Catholicism that says a saint is somebody who, if they really, really perform well throughout life, they are a saint. And you might get to earn that, but uh, otherwise, uh, you can just hope that you are. But that's not accurate. The Word of God, um, all of Paul's letters, he writes to the believers just all the believers at these different churches, including the ones at Philippi, and he, he addresses them as saints. And that's because that term saint simply means that they are set apart for God, set apart from the world, from normal everyday existence, and they are specially set apart for God to live for his honor and his glory with his work and his spirit dwelling in our lives. It's a beautiful thing. You and I, if you're a follower of Christ and have received his gift, you're a saint. And my for first point from that sermon was that your perceived identity will determine how you respond to life. Who you think you are will determine how you respond to life. If you, if you think you're a worthless bum, that you'll, you're never going to amount to anything, you're probably going to act on that. You're probably going to end up acting like that. 
However, if you realize you're a saint, you're redeemed, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you've got hope of making some new choices. We've got to have that clear in our heads. I mentioned uh, in that sermon the story of the Queen of England and the princess. They were in public and the uh, princess was kind of slouching in her chair, sitting awkwardly, uh, and they were, they're in public. And she was not behaving in concert with her identity. The queen looked over at her daughter and she said, Sit up. Don't you know who you are? And that's a good word for us. Stand firm. Don't you know who you are? Be holy. Don't you know who you are? And that's a crucial lesson for us to catch. And then we considered the Israelites and what happened as they approached the promised land. You remember that? Um, and, and you've got to remember that they have just experienced miracle upon miracle upon miracle. They're in slavery in Egypt. God sends Moses and tells Moses, you go and you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh refuses, and so he sends him back, and there's the plagues. Ten different things. All these things just piling up uh, the flies, the frogs, uh, the darkness, and uh, eventually, then finally, the, the one that really broke it was um, the Passover of uh, the slaying of the firstborn of the Egyptians and the passing over of the Israelite boys. So miracle upon miracle that they actually witnessed, lived through, they got set free. And not only did they get free from the Egyptians, which they never thought was going to happen, but when they left, the Egyptians gave them all their riches and said, go, take our stuff and go. I mean, it's incredible, this story that they lived through. Then they get a little ways, they get to the Red Sea, and what happens? Here come the Egyptians. They decide, we can't let them go. They, they come after them, and uh, God does another incredible miracle. He says, Moses, put your rod out there on the water. And it parts. They pass through on dry land, and here come the Egyptians, follow into the sea, and God closes it up and destroys their enemies. He totally frees them. He totally destroys that enemy. And he promises, now I'm going to take you into the promised land. So they make their way through the desert a ways, and they come to Kadesh Barnea. And this is on the border of the promised land. They're finally there. And what happens? They send in 12 spies. 12 guys, they all go in and they all see the same thing. They see that it is absolutely fabulous. It's the, the harvesting that will be done there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's fantastic. However, giants live there. Giants live there. Now there's the 12 guys. 10 of them see the giants and say, yeah, uh, that would have been cool, but there's no way. 
we can't afford to do this. We, there's no way we're going to beat them. Two guys, Caleb and Joshua, said, are you kidding me? God is for us. Let's go. In Numbers 13, 33, it says, There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The way they perceived themselves was puny, powerless. And so what was the result? They spent, all the adults of that group spent the rest of their lives wandering in the wilderness. They never got to enter the promised land. They forgot their identity as God's children. Now, tonight I actually want to talk about the other side of this. It's actually something even more important for us to grasp. We must understand our identity as saints. But there's a more foundational, crucial thing that we must understand. You see, they forgot just in that short time as they encountered a difficulty, they forgot who God was. They forgot how awesome and good and faithful God was. That's always a tragic mistake, but especially for a saint. So I want to ask you this evening, who is God to you? How do you view God? (laughs) How do you view God? How big is God in your eyes? You see, even though he had done those incredible things, somehow most of the Israelites failed to recognize their faith was weak, which it's baffling to me. It really is. Although I've seen myself, I'm always humbled when I stop and think because there have been times in my own life that I've forgotten and I've gotten anxious and I've been worried. Today, God in America in most churches across America, is seen as a lightweight. There are very few people who are standing in boldness. Just, just a couple of years ago when the whole COVID thing happened, how in the world did the people of God allow the government to tell them you can't You can't be the church. You can't get together. You can't meet. You can't love each other and minister to each other and do whatever you folks do at church. We had no business, absolutely no business saying, oh, okay, whatever you say. I know there's a lot to discuss in that and we won't do that tonight. But it reflected a real weakness on the part of the church. Who is God? 
Look at First Chronicles 29, 10-13. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth... Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. That's David. David was another one who stood out, who knew who God was. You remember? He goes to meet his brothers at the, at the battle against the Philistines. And old Goliath comes out and he says, I challenge you. Send out your best man. I'll take him on. If he can beat me, so be it. We'll be your slaves. But if I beat your man, you're our slaves. And there was not a man in the army of the children of God, the people of God, who had the courage until David, little David, the shepherd boy, visiting his brothers, too young to be part of the team, said, what? What? Are you kidding me? You're going to let that heathen dog speak to us this way? We are God's people. Let me at him. I will cut off his head and feed him to the birds. That's what he said. He knew God. It wasn't his strength that he had confidence in. He knew God and he knew that they were God's people. Let's look at another little passage. Isaiah 44, 1 to 8. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who made you, and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offering, offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And will name Israel's name with honor. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. In Hebrew culture, this is everything. The first means he was before anything else was. The last means he will be when all else is gone. 
And this is God. This is our God. I am the first and I am the last. There is no God beside me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. Brothers and sisters, this is the key to life. To know without doubt who God is. To know him. Do you know how David knew him when the others didn't? Because David would sit day after day with his sheep and worship God. He would recite the songs. He would write songs that declared the faithfulness of God and the acts of God. The greatness of God. The faithfulness of God. The power of God. He would recite it, sing it. He worshiped. He knew God. Then out of the New Testament, the, very, the last two verses of the little book of Jude says this. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. Let me read that again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Oh, brother and sister, we miss so much because we take our eyes off of him and look back at the waves. We look back at the circumstances of our life and quickly forget. And we miss so much.
I want to suggest tonight a saint, number one, a saint focuses on the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever play with binoculars and you can turn those deals and suddenly that thing far away pops into focus and you can see it really clear. Now the things in the foreground, they're fuzzy and, and, and funky. We need to learn to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when our focus is on the challenges that we face, the difficulties that we face, the failures of our past, we get really weak in the knees and we shy away from challenges. And we lose. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, let's talk about this. What is, what is he talking about? We're in a race. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, the rest of our life here on this earth is a challenge that is set out before us. It is a race that we are running. In other places, Paul describes this as we're in, we're in a battle against the enemy. But here he's, uh, the writer of Hebrews is specifically saying, you're in a race, and it's an endurance race. Okay? Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which he so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on what? On Jesus. Not on our problems, not on other things, not on other people. On Jesus. On Jesus. The author. There it is again. He was there at the beginning. He is here now and he will be there at the end. And he loves you and will bring you to completion. But we must keep our eyes on him. We must change that focus from that horrible challenge that we're facing to his glory his goodness, his faithfulness, his promises. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The only way to run this race of life in Christ Jesus is to focus on him. We must continually come back we start to get overwhelmed this is this is a if i sense myself getting really anxious about something ah that's that's a signal that's a signal right there i have been looking too long too much at the stuff that i'm facing and i have forgotten about my source 
If you're anxious, if you're troubled, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. All right. So here's our text for tonight. I know that was a long introduction and we'll be quicker through the rest of the sermon. But here's our text from Philippians. Starts in chapter 3 at verse 17. Brethren, joining, following my example, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of, of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Your gentle spirit, uh, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number two, saints focused on Jesus Christ lose interest in earthly things. It happens because when you compare anything to Jesus Christ, everything else fades away. I love the little chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Any, anyone who struggles with addictions can tell you that a big part of the problem is that addiction keeps rearing its head and it tries to get our attention. If we, and if we look at that, if we think about it, if we, and, and we, it's, it's, it's right that we realize we've got an issue that we must do battle. But if our focus is on that issue, we're going to drag, we're going to get dragged back into the mud. We're going to go back down with it. If our focus is on it, we must change our focus to Jesus. And the more that we sit and think about what he's done, 
what he's doing right now in us and what he has promised. The more that, whatever that addiction was, whatever it is that we couldn't do without, we can do without it. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. And saints focused on Jesus Christ lose interest in earthly things. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I often told you, now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Acts 7, 55, 56. (laughs) Stephen is being stoned right here. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently... They're throwing rocks at him right now, okay? As this is, being, as this is happening. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing by at the right hand of God. And it did not matter that he was being pummeled to his death. For he knew that his Savior was taking him home. The focus. The focus. Number three. Saints focused on Jesus Christ are captivated by the hope of heaven. We don't talk enough about heaven. We really don't. When you focus on Jesus, that's where it'll end up taking you. Uh, Starting at verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven. This isn't even our home. We shouldn't be comfortable here. We shouldn't. Be anxious to stay here. I'll never understand why we fight so hard to stay alive in this world when you know Jesus Christ. There's, it's, it's, it's kind of silly, isn't it? Because eternity, painless, it's, it's the unknown that we fear, I think. But that's why if we keep our eyes on Jesus, going home looks so much better. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we are, for which we are eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. He's awesome. Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, Therefore I have been raised up with Christ Jesus. Keep If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four. Saints focused on Jesus Christ are enabled to stand firm in the Lord. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. 
You can only stand firm in Jesus if you've got your eyes on him. Focus on Jesus. Worship Jesus. Adore Jesus. Delight in Jesus. Celebrate him. Seek him. Number five, saints focused on Jesus Christ live in harmony. In America, churches split. Uh, my whole life, I, I, my dad was a pastor, and I watched it time after time after time. Somebody got upset in the church. Somebody did something that disappointed somebody else. So they left, go to another church. And they're coming to this church because somebody over there did something that bothered them. Listen, we don't have time for that. And it dishonors our beautiful Savior. If you've got your eyes on Jesus, you'll be able to handle the challenges of loving one another. But you must stay focused on Jesus. He put up with you. He died for you. Keep that in mind when somebody else is bugging you a little bit. You can handle it. But you must keep focused on Jesus. Philippians 4.2 says, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche, live in harmony in the Lord. And he calls for you and I to do the same. Number six, saints focused on Jesus Christ, always rejoice. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. James 1 verses 2 to 4 say, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. What? Count it joyful to, to face tough things, to face challenges and trials? Yes. Yes. If your focus is on Jesus, you know that he loves you. He's not going to let you be overwhelmed in this. In fact, he's going to use this to transform you into his likeness. And that's beautiful. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what I want. I want to be like him. And then Romans eight twenty-eight to 30 says, And we know that God causes all things. Do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know this about God? Have you come to know him to this point? That he loves you so much that he is not going to allow anything in your life that he can't somehow turn for good for you and for his name's sake. Focus on Jesus. Let me read that again. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what's going on. No, I, I don't. But I know him. I know him. And I know he loves you. And he will make a way. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, that's you saints, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. That's our destiny right there. And those whom he predestined, he also called. 
And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. It's gonna happen. If you are a saint, it's gonna happen. He's gonna get you home. Whatever challenge you face, whatever trials you face, whatever sins beset you, get your eyes back on Jesus. Focus on him. And then number seven, saints focused on Jesus Christ have a gentle spirit. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. That's the thing. The more you focus on Jesus, the more it transforms your character, the more at peace you are. You no longer have to fight for your place in this world. You no longer have to be the man. He's the man. And he has declared, you are my child. I love you. And there's nothing better than that. So it doesn't matter what other people in the world do or say. Suddenly you can take abuse that no one else would be able to take. Suddenly you can be patient. You can be kind. If you're focused on Jesus and being transformed into his likeness, he will give you that grace your gentle spirit will show. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then finally, number eight, saints focused on Jesus Christ can live anxiety-free. Wow. I have a, a precious family member that we're praying for on a regular basis. Precious, precious young lady. She's stressed out all the time. She's been baptized. She likes the idea of being a Christian. But I don't know if she knows God. She certainly doesn't have that confidence and that peace that she is in his hands. And every day for her is one stressful thing after another and she's just on the edge all the time. And my heart just breaks for her. We're praying that at some point God opens her eyes. We're pleading with Jesus, Jesus, meet her somewhere along the way. Cause her to realize you really are that awesome and that good. No matter what she's faced in her life, no matter what you faced in your life, he is that awesome and that good. If you place your life in his hands and trust him with your soul, you have nothing more to fear. The rest of your days on this world, no matter what you face, the creator of heaven and earth, The almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, eternal God will walk with you, will hold you, will shelter you, will strengthen you, will comfort you. This is our God. 
Do you know him? If you're here tonight and you don't, if you haven't made that choice yet, I I want to invite you. He has you here to hear this message. And he wants you to be one of his kids. So if you're not sure if you've made that decision and you've got that gift, that incredible eternity-altering gift, please come see me after the service. And I would love to talk to you about that and pray with you, uh, discuss that further. But for those of us who already know that we are his, (laughs) turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you've been struggling, no matter what it is, he still loves you. You've been failing, sinning, he still loves you. But if you want to get out of that, There's only one way. Get your focus back on him. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, I am so thankful that you are the agape-loving God that you are. I am so thankful that you saw us while we were yet sinners and you died for us. I'm glad that that awesome power and majesty that is you is also merciful. And that you know that we are but dust and you have made a way. And for those who receive that gift, they can walk with you for the rest of this life and then on into eternity. Jesus, help us as your kids to always remember to get our eyes back on you as soon as we recognize that they're on something else. For you are our strength, you are our shield, you are our fortress, you are our deliverer, you are our strength and our salvation and our hope, and there's none like you. We worship you, and we will praise you forever. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen.